Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Welcome to the GolfChannel.com podcast. I'm Rex Hoggard. It's my pleasure to be joined by Dana Fry, uh, one of a, a big team of folks that had a hand here at Aaron Hill's side of the U.S. Open this week. Uh, it's Thursday morning. It's been a long time. First off, let me get your emotions. What are you thinking? How do you feel? Kid on Christmas Day. You know, except, <laughs> except this Christmas is taken. You know, I've been in the business for 34 years now. It's taken 34 years. The whole thing seems surreal. When you look at the golf course and you've had a chance to hear some of the player reaction, you have to be happy. Well, in particular, and I'm not sure if you if you know this, but I've I came here Tuesday last week. I've been here over a week. Mm-hmm. I've gone around the golf course entire rounds with Patrick Reed. Uh, then I spent two days with Justin Rose, and then one of the highlights of my career is I got to spend three days with Rory McIlroy, uh, who I'd been in communication with through his agent and. Uh, and I know how they feel about the golf course. And Rory came in this very room to say exactly how he felt about the golf course. And uh, to hear people of that caliber that think that highly of this, of something that you put so much of your life into is, it means a lot. I knew you had had a chance to go around with Rory a couple times. What was his impressions? And what did you guys talk about when you were on the golf course? Well, the first thing is, is people you'd have to understand is I, it was through a mutual friend, I got connected to his agent. and. His agent said, could you supply me with any notes, information he had? And I put together a lot of data and I, and I forwarded it on to him. It was actually a lot of it was the information I gave to Brandel Chambly because he wanted information on the course. And, um, and, and it was fairly detailed stuff on how playing holes and the, what will happen, how the lines change when the winds change directions, and also whether the course is soft or firm. And uh, he was supposed to show up off on a Saturday, the last Saturday, and I was out on the course Friday, after, late Friday afternoon with another player, and my phone starts going crazy. Rory's here and he wants to see you, and I'm like, well, I got to finish. I can't leave my buddy on the golf course. It was a friend that qualified, and so I got done with 18. I caught him on uh, six green, and he had a, his, you know, just his father and some friends around him, and they were, most of them were outside the ropes. And I said, I'm here to say, see JP as caddy, and they said he's not here. He's coming in tonight. And Rory was just walking, and I literally, uh, they said, but are you Dana? And I said, yeah. He said he's expecting you. I walked out, and he started walking toward me. He stuck his hand out, and he said, you Dana? And I said, yeah. He said Rory McIlroy. Nice to meet you. And he said, everything you said was spot on. He goes, I love this golf course. I can finally hit a driver. <laughs> and, he, and he just said, you know, my, my biggest weapon has been taken away from me on a lot of golf tur- tournaments, and in particular U.S. Opens, 
He says, I feel I can hit driver on every hole here. He says, I love this place. Similar and it, it pretty much never changed for, for two and a half days after that. It is interesting. We're actually pointing out we're in the media uh, interview room in the media center, and he brought up a great point on Tuesday. There was kind of an impromptu cutting of the rough for a lot of different reasons, which uh, I'd be glad to let you explain. But his reaction, I thought, was classic. He was a little surprised, and he said, look, it needs to be a demanding test. This is your course. What did you think about all that? Well, to show you how it sort of became between Rory and I, he right before he came in that press conference, he came up, put his arm around me on the putting green, in the driving range, which was, was and, and he said, I'm gonna, I have your back. He goes, I'm gonna go into the press room and I'm gonna tell him what I think. I said, what are you gonna tell him? He says, I'm gonna tell him they should not be, that the rough, if you can't hit inside these corridors, mm -hmm. he says, you need to pack your bags and go home. He came in the press room and he said almost verbatim, that's what he said. And it was really cool. And you know, he thanked me you know, publicly, which was really, he didn't need to do, but it was really kind of him. He's, you know, the other thing I would say, the last thing about that is, you know, one of the coolest things I learned this week is two or three of these players that I look up to as golfers I'd never met, Justin and Rose and Rory, and these are two of the finest individuals I've ever met. These are really good people, and that was a, another, one of the highlights of my week is finding these people that you look up to as a golfer, finding out they're better human beings than they are golfers. Absolutely. When you kind of go to the bigger picture golf course, as we get started play, there is great unknown this week. I mean, obviously the players didn't know a lot about it. What would you focus on on Thursday? Like, what, what, would, what are you most interested to watch today as far as the golf course, how it's going to play? Well, I think for me, obviously, the, the one that everybody says, you just got to keep it out of the out of tall fescue in the native areas. Because if you hit it in there, you're not going to play good. It's, that's a, that's a crapshoot. It'll be interesting to me how they play two how they play 15. I don't even know where they have the tees yet on 15 today, if they're playing it up or back. Because uh, I was surprised, you know, Rory really thinks that he's gonna be going for that green, depending on where they have the tees. And, uh, you know, the penalties are exceedingly severe on that hole. If you miss that green, uh, the odds of getting it up and down are just not good because you're gonna be in an unbelievably deep, severe bunker, and you may have a good lie, you may, the way the bunkers are built at Aaron Hills, they're real hazards. They have contour in the bottoms of the slopes, and in some cases the ball will roll up closer to the to the back edge of the bunker, and you have a steep bank behind you, and you're hitting off a down slope. So sometimes just getting out of the bunker is a, a, a difficult issue. I, so I, I'm really going to be interested in how a lot of the bunker play is on this golf course, because these are bunkers unlike any U.S. Open in history. That I know for a fact. Well, I, I've had a chance to walk the golf course, so th this will be fun. If you talk about a specific hole you mentioned number two which has been brought up constantly throughout the week which I find fascinating it's the longest golf course in US Open history and yet the two holes that get brought up the most are the two shortest the par uh, 3 ninth, which is the shortest hole in the course 135 yards and the second do you want it to be a driver hole I know the USGA is the one that decides it but how did you design well it? there oh, we definitely knew it was drivable I mean you, you can get it right up around the green to carry that bunker depending on which tee they play even if they play it all the way back it's like a 285 carry uh, up to if they go up a couple of tees it can be up to a 260 carry and then you have to hit it over the corner of the bunker and it will hit a down slope and it depends on the kick and where you hit it on that slope and the odds are you're going to have a, a, a decent chip at it you know with the green perched up in the air maybe six feet up by itself uh, with just one bunker on the right side but you know it's 
it'll be real interesting because it's, it's I like it that they can actually hit a driver and they have a real chance of driving the green or getting it right next to it. The other hole, obviously, I just mentioned was the ninth. We asked Mike Davis, executive director of the USGA, which hole keeps him up at night, and it was the ninth, and it's 135 yards. I mean, that's brilliant. Yeah, I, you know, it. I've said repeatedly, and I've been saying this since this course was built. Uh, I think it's going to become the hole that Aaron Hills is most remembered for, mm-hmm. it, along with 18 because of the backdrop and, the, and it's a pretty dramatic par five, but. Nine, I think, in time will become one of the sort of iconic short holes in golf uh, that people always remember. And I think it's because of what you're going to see happen there. It is a really demanding shot. It's a long, skinny green. There's a false front. If they put pin on the front left, front right, hardest pin position on the hole by far. Because if you do not, you have to hit it 15, 20 feet past the hole. If you try to because they could set it close to that edge, and if you hit that false front, it's going to suck back, it's going to go down a little approach, and it's going to go in a little bunker that's on the front right, in a part of the a trough, we call it, like an erosion bunker, and it's in an area that's no more than a, about a foot wide. Then the rest of the green slopes from the, back, from the front left to the back right, and in the middle as you're going back, there's a hollow that cuts about halfway out into the green. That's where the concern comes out that and Roy talked about that a little, Justin Rose and his caddy uh, quite a lot. Uh, is it too much? Again, at the speeds we play it on uh, normally here, which are around 12, it's not really a problem. 11 to 12 is a standard speed here for normal play. I've never seen them at 13 and a half or 14 and double rolled and triple rolled like the USGA does sometimes. So I don't know the answer to that question yet. It could be. It, it, but. My guess would be, and, and I know in talking with Mike, that they're going to be cautious with the pins and we'll do other measures to make sure that things don't get out of hand. And the, But the big thing is if the wind, you know, if we get a wind like we had last Saturday, I mean, we had a 30, 35 mile an hour wind. At that point, everything's off because we don't know what's going to happen. When you kind of go back to the beginning of this, this was a build it and they will come concept. I mean, this was all built with the idea of getting this championship. When you started this process, did it play out like you thought it did? I mean, now that we're here on the first round? If you don't know the story of Aaron Hills, there's nobody that could have believed with all that transpired on this project that we're here, that we are here today is a miracle with all that happened. I mean, they literally could make a movie of, of from day one in 2000 to where we are today. And the characters that were involved and the things that transpired nobody would believe we're here today so no the answer to me is i believe the golf course could do it but with all the the hat the things that happened with the, the the previous owner and and the new owner coming in and saving the day and all the stuff in between and and some other elements that happened it's just an amazing story it literally could be made into a hollywood hollywood movie with golf being the backdrop but no one would believe it I agree with you, but it would be fiction. No, no one would buy it. Believe me, I, li- I literally lived through the whole thing and know in great detail all of these things. And I was part of it, and I can't believe it. And it, I wish we had time to get into it, but it is way I mean, we would be sitting here we for could, an hour. We could literally, oh, for hours. So, uh, great story uh, in the Milwaukee newspaper. By Gary D'Amato, who was involved here. I met Gary back in 2002 or three before construction ever started and Gary definitely knows the story. So go read that because it's too much but it is a fascinating story. What has surprised you the most in the last couple of days leading up to this opening tee shot? Uh, 
I, I think old as a, as a general rule, I would have to say the player reactions have been very positive. With the you take away the the, the, the some of the players having some issues with the native grass. Uh, when you start talking about the golf holes themselves inside the cut turf areas, they've been for the most part very positive. And for a new golf course, that's really gratifying. And to the points, I'm gonna just gonna quote him directly because he said it, and you can you can uh, verify that he said this. But Jerry Pate, who's a longtime friend, came up. We were at the Bobby Jones Award dinner, and he came up and he hugged me, and he said, "This is the best U.S. Open golf course ever." Now I know there's a lot of people who are going to hear this and think that's crazy, but and then Frank Nabolo, you know, when we were on live from, same he got up out of his chair when he saw me come over and shook my hand and he just said this has got to go on a permanent rotation. You know, when you start hearing things like that, these are you know it's a, it, it makes you feel real good because obviously we don't want just one U.S. Open here. You know, we, we absolutely and it, anybody has one U.S. Open wants two U.S. Opens, but. I want more than that. I want this to be what Frank Nobolo believes it should be, and that is on a permanent rotation. Along those lines, Mike Davis talked about this yesterday, the pressure that he feels this week. What kind of pressure do you feel this week? Well, you know, I think as for the most part, I would think the pressure's been relieved from ourselves because I think the majority of the players are happy with the golf course itself. The native areas are truly out of our control. A great deal of that was the, the spring that we had, how wet it was, uh, and it was very cold until about two weeks ago, and then it got warm, it quit raining, and the stuff, uh, Zach, the superintendent here, is a very close friend, said in the last 10 to 12 days that the rough is actually growing about 10 inches. I mean, the stuff is just shot up. And, you know, and that's why it's so thick. And, you know, you come here later in the summer, in August, September, then it will be much thinner and much more playable. But it's just, part of it is just, just Mother Nature doing her natural job. Well, and I don't want to get too much into that, because it seems like, at this point, we feel like by the time we get to Sunday, we're not going to be talking about social media videos in the rough. And because of what Roy pointed out, you have 50 yards between rough line to rough line. I mean, these are the best players in the world. Certainly someone's going to hit in there, but it's not going to decide the championship, you'd like to think. But just to kind of touch on it one last time, there is something to be said for if you get 12 yards off the fairway, it is wispy. But it's that two, three, four yards just off the fairway that's the thick stuff. And I, I, you can explain it Well, I'll tell I you, the, the other I thing I can tell you, the, the, the owner here, Andy Ziegler, uh, is totally committed to this place. And the, the financial resources he has put into this place to get us from where we are back in 2009, which was in very bad condition, to now being praised for its condition among virtually every player in the field. Andy also has made it very clear that if there are, are, are issues after this is over and it's assessed and discussed among the team, that if changes need to be made, they will be made. And I think one of the things we'll definitely look at is, is the native areas. The areas you're talking about that are thin and wispy tend to be what we call a hard fescue or a sheep fescue mixed together, and they're they grow up and they're more clumpy. And you know when you get down it, you can actually sort of be in a, almost a little bare area in some of those areas, mm -hmm. but you can always find your ball and you can always advance at 150 or whatever yards. And the other is different types of fescues that are just much thicker, especially at this time of year, and it may be something that we end up. Uh, altering different types of grasses in the future. And if, and if that's deemed that we, what we have to do to make this better, 
I can assure you with Andy Ziegler at the helm, it's going to happen. I hate to shoehorn anyone shoehorn in, in, in any profession. That's unfortunate. But if you, you look at Pete Dye, and he has, you know, he, he's known for the railroad ties. I mean, you can go sort of down the list. And you mentioned the bunkering here, and I want to compare it to another one of your courses, which I love. It's one of my favorites, Shelter Harbor in Rhode Island. You, I can see the similarities between the mm-hmm. bunkers, not as penal at Shelter Harbor as it is here. Is that really where you spent most of your time focused on this golf course? Well, the bunkers were a huge part of it. And, you know, we, so we obviously, but these are far more penal than what we did at Shelter Harbor. They have much steeper banks, many more crevices in it, but we were trying to create what we call erosion bunkers in some spots where the water just washed down these things. And you got these little rivlets of sand that in some spots are a foot wide or eight inches wide. And, you know, trying to make them look more like Mother Nature created them. And they, you know, if you look at these early in the morning and late in the evening and the shadows on them, they're, they're almost scary looking because they're just these pits in the ground. Looks like a claw coming out on it, 9. I was out there yesterday. It's unbelievable. I mean, you look at the bunkers on 9 and the bunkers on 15. It, it, it is. You sit there in your camera just like the shots, just these dark holes. It's, they're, they are, they're true hazards. You don't strike me as a man that worries about much too much. But coming into this week, what was your biggest fear? Oh, that the players would not like it. I, I mean, I, I'm not going to start naming golf courses, but, you know, I don't want and did not want because this is my entire career here. And, you know, and I hope to be doing this another God willing another 20, 25 years. And I hope this is a springboard to, to work all over the world. I've already, you know, I'm working in the Middle East now in Abu Dhabi and I've worked a lot. I lived in Asia, doing a lot in Asia. And if the power of the social media and what these people say carries a lot of weight with people all over the world. And if this is a, comes out as a highly regarded U.S. Open, generally liked by the majority of the players, and then gets on a rotation, this, this changes my career for the rest of my life. I have a lot writing on this week. And, and, and I am pretty confident now because of how the players feel. Now it comes into weather conditions mm-hmm. and setup in making sure everything goes as smooth as we can and kind of out of your hands now. it is out of my hands now and you know and obviously the other thing you really hope for is is you want ideally a sunday leaderboard with a lot of the true stars the best players in the game at or near the leaderboard and obviously from a selfish perspective i want a, a superstar to win the thing because it just helps identify the golf course even more or a good finish i was going to ask you like what's a best case scenario on sunday in your mind uh, I think a playoff with Dustin Johnson, Jason Day, Roy McIlroy, and Jordan Speed on Monday would be that would pretty make it a pretty iconic tournament. <laughs> Along those lines, though, if we're talking about the golf course on Sunday afternoon, and I kind of realized this over my career, something went wrong. If we're not talking about the golf course on Sunday afternoon, is that almost the best case scenario for you? I mean, if, well, of course we're going to talk about it in the days afterwards, but you see what I'm getting yeah, at here. Yeah, you don't want you want. The, where the golfers are out there playing a great golf course, hitting demanding shots that are fair test of golf, and that identify the best players in the world and the best player that week. And again, hopefully that is the storyline and that you see some really dramatic shots coming down the stretch. And you look at the finishing holes, you've got two par fours, two par threes, two par fives, a lot can happen. I mean, 14 and 15 could be wild swings. Uh, because 14 is definitely a reachable five, but the shot into that green, you're gonna see all the balls going all sorts of directions. Uh, it'll be very interesting with how Mike sets 15 up on, on Sunday. My guess would be 
he's going to set it up where the yardage is at such where it almost becomes a male ego thing of I, I can hit a short a, a utility club into the screen. How can I lay up? You know, it, it'll be really interesting how it goes. Well, it's been a pleasure talking about the golf course early in the week with you, and congratulations. Oh. It was a long time coming. Oh, thank you, you very much. Time. I appreciate it. Have a good week. Go out and see the, your baby, so to speak. I'm going right now. Can't wait. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. From muddy jungle paths to snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder is ready to take you to some of the most phenomenal destinations on Earth. In a Pathfinder, it's more than just the arrival. The real excitement comes from the ride to get there. With seven drive modes, Pathfinder's available intelligent four-wheel drive is built for some of the most epic journeys. So chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures in the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions.